Hi, and welcome back to the Jampod Gigsters, a Money for Jam podcast examining the impacts and trends around the gig economy and how it matters to your business today. So payment technologies are fast becoming a norm, including mobile and e-wallet solutions. This is not only because of the convenience it offers, but with the outbreak of COVID-19, do you really want to be touching your bank card or exchanging cash? I am your host, Angela McCann, and today we are looking at various digital payment innovations that are shaping the future of how people transact. Joining me today is Richard Dunn, the Chief Implementation Officer for Money for Jam. Hey, Rich, and welcome back to the Jampod Gigsters. Hi, Angela. It's great to be here. Thanks. So, Rich, I've heard many terminologies being thrown around when it comes to um, digital payments, such as digital wallets, mobile wallets, e-wallets. Are these all the same thing, or are we talking about three different concepts? So, the definitions themselves are... Are, are very similar. I think they're very interchangeable depending on who's really discussing or uh, or how they've been used and phrased in general conversation. But from my perspective, your digital wallet is uh, generally a technology that electronically stores credit card numbers, debit card numbers, loyalty card numbers, etc. All of which are basically then stored on the cloud. So your money still stays in your bank or credit card account, but um, but money, the actual digital wallet just enables the transactions off a existing bank account, which is uh, which is what you already have, as opposed to creating a new one. Um, it generally just makes the transaction easier. Examples of that would be your PayPal, um, Facebook more recently, and in more local cryptocurrency context, your Luno. But your digital wallet is also only accessible from laptops where your mobile wallet is a type of digital wallet that is installed on your phone. So it's generally an application that allows you to tap to pay in stores, for instance, or uh, they generally use uh, technologies such as what's termed near field communication, NFC, or what we're more familiar with, which is more your quick response codes, which is QR codes. So examples that we use on a daily basis is generally like your SnapScan and Zapper, where your e-wallet is a type of prepaid online account. So what that means is that a prepaid wallet generally requires money to be loaded prior to any transaction um, being being facilitated. So uh, a money for jam would be that, for instance. Uh, Other also potentially like gift cards or shopping cards, um, so that's, for me, the three differences uh, differences between the three. But uh, then there are distinctions that you can make as well in terms of e-wallets. So, for instance, uh, you can have a closed e-wallet. What that means is that it's effectively locked down to a single merchant. So that could be, for instance, a gift card for uh, pick and pay, for instance. A, then you can get a semi-closed e-wallet. This is where... But uh, goods and services are uh, can be well. You can spend on goods and services at listed merchants, and you can now do additional financial services. But between closed and semi-closed, there's no real opportunity to do cash outs or that kind of transaction. Where your more open wallet is, where you can kind of transact at multiple merchants, withdraw, transfer money, etc. And a good example of that would be your more 
uh, Impesa, where it's really underpinned by a bank. And uh, that's where Vodacom and Nedbank partnered up locally in South Africa. So how exactly do mobile wallets, whether they're digital or e-wallets, work? So I think the point is, what is the need? And I think uh, wallets really offer a simpler and more convenient method to transact for consumers. It's, um, they generally offer a quick sign-on. So it, it, once again, I think it coming down to it, it comes down to the consumer designing custom solutions for them and just making their lives easier. So loading the wallet or capturing your banking details becomes something that's very apparent in terms of a lot of digital wallets, which we mentioned already. But it's about making it quick and easy to transact either offline or online. So when making these payments, the user accesses the application to facilitate that payment, either on, uh, through his laptop or phone. But what I have found is that there are different types of wallets and, and, and use cases for that. So, um, so here's a couple in terms of my categorization. You've got your payment aggregators. This is really around, uh, like we mentioned, in terms of the more digital wallets uh, explanation above. But examples of that would be like your in the more international context, your Apple Pay, G Pay, Samsung Pay, where you're using your phone and and uh, embedded banking details to facilitate online payments. In the more local context, you're looking at SnapScan, MasterPass, and Zapper. Uh, other kind of categories of wallets you're looking at is more your peer-to-peer. -peer. So this is where where the wallet's primary objective is to move funds between. Um, one person, another, like setting bills and, you know, paying for your restaurant bills and stuff and splitting that and splitting the check. So like Virgin Spot is a great example there. But remittance services like uh, foreign exchange is also a closed loop system um, like Western Union, which, uh, which uses those type of wallets. Um, in the context of e-commerce, um, you do you get a couple examples there, which uh, like PayPal, but in the more local context, uh, e-commerce in the in the more digital payment space like Flash has its own wallet intended for digital product. And then finally, like your loyalty and store of value products and and wallets, um, there you're looking at like e-bucks and Vitality, etc., which is both a closed and semi-closed type wallet. With regards to the digital wallet, I can understand why like financial institutions would would adopt such technology. But when we're speaking about the e-wallet, what what other industries or companies would be able to benefit from this model of payment? So just to start, I think our world, world is becoming more and more digital. So um, uh, traditionally there's been, and I'm talking about holistically, there's been far less trust in banks, but as that trust grows, there's more adoption. And I think COVID-19 has seen a significant increase in more e-commerce type um, online transactions that are using wallets in, in um in a manner of online transactions. So all industries can really benefit from these type of transactions. However, retailers have, have really been at the frontier of mobile payments. Um, and I think the success of really any wallet in the more retailer space is about consumer centricity. You know, it's really putting the customer first, making sure that his needs are met before anybody else's. So more than that, retailers have really been at the frontier for uh, mobile payments. 
Um, I think the success of what they've achieved is very much around consumer centricity and putting their customer first. But more than that, they benefit greatly from the use of mobile payments as it facilitates uh, for a much faster checkout process and removes cash out of the system. So I would say from um, outside of financial institutions, I think retailers are really getting the big benefit of uh, these mobile wallet uh, mobile wallets. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, very much online. So anything online and I guess retailers are both physical and digital these days anyway. Rich, how can organizations with either a large employee or stakeholder base benefit from these type wallet solutions? So from my previous experience of managing large uh, large employee bases in the past, I think the easiest way to impact your productivity is through um, to the challenges that you faced on payment. And I think there are a couple clear challenges that any corporation or organization will have. Um, one is the administrate uh, the difficulty around administration of managing large consumer bases. So examples of that is, you know, if you're generally dealing with the, the working class, for instance, you know, having no bank account, that's still a prominent thing. So employees working for you that don't have bank accounts, they generally will rush out and open a bank account, for instance, but they interchange between those two. You've got ever-changing bank accounts, like I just mentioned, and then inconsistent cell phone numbers. So maintaining that profile of your workforce is extremely challenging. Then uh, communication with them is then uh, then aggravated if their numbers are always changing. Your workforce all have different banks. So you know, if you go F&B to F&B, that's pretty much live. But if you then throw an APSA there, there's a 48-hour lag. So you've got some people getting their pay, uh, pay slips today and others by uh, in 48 hours from now. So mm-hmm. it's just about um, what is the quickest and easiest way to, to, uh, to drive payment solutions to your workforce without unsettling your workforce? Because that's the last thing you want to do is is kind of uh, rattle uh, rattle any cages. You know, it is money and, and everybody's very sensitive around their money. Yeah. So where Money for Jam has solved this problem is that it's got a bulk disbursement solution which is completely, is fully agnostic. So um, it's not dependent on any cell phone numbers um, and that the variability of interchanging numbers, which is just a phenomenon in South Africa in terms of how many numbers people actually own. You know, the average that we've seen on the ground is three. You know, um, then you've got the challenge of banked and unbanked. So regardless of whether you're unbanked or banked, you can facilitate retail cash outs, for instance, or you can do an EFT to your bank account. Uh, whether you're an employee or freelancer, now if you're dealing with freelancers on the ground, whether they're nationals or foreign nationals, you know these are these are challenges that you are realistically faced with. And Money for Jam deals with these without any lags or delays, and the costs are negligible if not free. So, um, so if you're dealing with an existing client to Money for Jam, the nice thing is is the multi-purpose tool, so he's already onboarded, and then the payment solution or the bulk settlement of his salary or or commissions, that's quite a seamless process because we've got a native wallet built into our platform. However, if not, you know, Money for Jam is such a simple and easy uh, easy platform specifically around registration. 
which can be easily facilitated by our activation teams or not. Um, so really, it's a, simplifying the payment process is the most critical part. You need a single payment file, which, um, which as uh, with as few moving parts as possible. So that's what we offer our clients. But just removing the administration, increasing the recipient trust in the process, I think these are all the critical steps that we've addressed and we've seen uh, works really well within our own workforce, our own job base, and for our clients. It's a great solution, but I have to ask you whether these type of wallets are safe. I mean, with cybersecurity being a big issue at the moment, especially with this whole COVID-19 lockdown scenario and everything's moving towards digital. I mean, what are the safety measures that um, people can take with regards to these wallets? Okay, so the obvious, uh, stating the obvious, it's certainly safer than a wallet in your pocket and cash. So that's a given, okay? So, but from an e-wallet point of view, um, you know, the, we, you, they, let's just say the wallets themselves kind of gauge themselves on, on the minimum practices of banks. So the security features, and that's pretty much a benchmark that most wallets kind of define themselves on. There is various uh, regulatory uh, requirements that are required by uh, by wallets, um, and uh, you know the Reserve Bank are monitor this space very closely. So I think there's enough regulatory cover for both uh, clients and and uh, consumers in the ground around these wallets, and there's some really interesting um, uh, applications of software and solutions like tokenization which very much removes any kind of uh, risk around compromising your banking details, for instance, and it, uh, it protects that. And so if you are going to do any online payments, uh, those are safeguarded and it creates a unique kind of voucher code, if you like. And then other stuff like uh, blockchain. Blockchain solves this problem in terms of removing any kind of fraud, um, whilst protecting your banking details uh, to the best of their ability. In your experience, Rich, what would you say are the main barriers for clients when they're going to adopt this whole e-wallet route? So in SA, we have probably one of the best, if, I think we've got one, I think the third best banking institution in the world. So we're very privileged there. So mobile wallets historically have not performed well in South Africa. I think we've seen a number of wallets, I think, in PESAs open and close two or three times. So the big challenge around South Africa is an established banking system and the lack of interoperability that you have between wallets and networks. So networks have generally been the, um, the uh, channel that have launched these e-wallets because they're trying to diversify their product portfolio. And the challenge is, is that they try and keep that in a closed group. So you have to, you can only use M-Pesa on a Vodacom wallet, but you can't move that M-Pesa funds between M-Pesa and a Momo wallet, for instance. Or, you know, those, I think those are the big challenges. Um, but I think this has been addressed by Africa. I think Africa have, they significantly further ahead in that regards. And they've addressed those barriers to entry um, and uh, interoperability between wallets and between networks is something that's a little bit more common. But 
still big barrier to adoption in Africa. We're still a cash-based economy and mobile penetration is obviously important uh, in order to get e-wallets and mobile wallets and digital wallets uh, functional. You know, if you don't have access to network and you don't have access to any kind of online application, e-wallets, the main, you know, I guess you can use USSD, but uh, it is a, a little bit of a bottleneck. So trust is also a big challenge there in terms of the banking, but I think these are kind of been overcome. But then saying that Kenya has done really, in Kenya, uh, one of the biggest global leaders in mobile wallets mm. and payment technology is Mpesa. So, and they have such an amazing um, business model. Uh, and like in 2017, I was looking at stats online, 49% of the Kenya's GDP was channeled through Mpesa wallets. So yes. you can see that there is a, a significant rise in mobile wallets, but various challenges that uh, that are are apparent. Rich, there's so many theories that cash is doomed for extinction. But listening to what you've just said, and then especially within a South African context, would you agree that cash is very much alive and well, and and is not going anywhere in the foreseeable future? Yeah, so in some industries, cash, well, cash is always king. I think in the more informal emerging markets, that is uh, very true. In your spas markets, for instance, you're seeing um, digital currency being very difficult to penetrate. But if you consider that uh, the bank card, your your bank card came into existence in the 1940s and uh, 80 years down the line, cash is very much in existence. So I don't think cash is going anywhere anytime fast um, and there is still this uh, this lingering distrust in the banking system and digital money we've seen that in various projects we've been rolling out with for instance uh, the food voucher uh, food voucher initiative but uh, education is still required and but cash flow is critical in the informal markets and just until such time that there's a little bit more awareness and understanding around uh, e-wallets and that. Um, I don't see much change in the near future, but certainly extended future. But, uh, but yeah. Well, especially in Africa, I really think that, you know, the trust issue, as you mentioned, is actually a huge thing um, with regards with regards to actual physical cash. Um, so what, in your opinion, are the most successful ones that you've seen out there and why? Why are they so successful? So there, are, I was doing a little bit of research online and there's some really interesting ones. So I think there's a, like a seesaw battle for number one place uh, globally, um, very much an Asian, Asian product. So Alipay and WeChat, you know, like sit down when you hear these numbers. It's... Uh, you're kind of looking at anything between 1.1 and 1.2 billion active users Jeez. every day. So wow. it's, uh, it's phenomenal how successful wallets in an Asian market has been. Then you get the next best, which in a, the more US market. And US market have, have not really taken on the more digital wallets as strongly as the Asian markets, but you're looking at Apple Pay, which is a quarter, if not a fifth, of those of those numbers. But from an African standpoint, you're looking at like M-Pesa and Kenya, and you know why they're successful is very much around they've addressed, or yeah, I think they they're relevant because of financial exclusion 
uh, in the broader sense, specifically the more main market. Your banks were inaccessible to the many and uh, complexity of opening bank accounts. Yeah, I don't know if you can recall how far, like, not too long ago, yeah, to open bank account took hours, if not days. Yeah. So, so M-Pesa really offered a more accessible banking option that was simple to use, less discriminative, and fit their need of storing and accessing cash. Um, another great example in India is Paytm. Um, this is more in the more digital space and digital products, but the drive to uh, their, their success basically came from timing and smartphone penetration. Um, and they were among, among one of the first uh, online recharge providers. So they just drove convenience, like flawless service, adaptability, customer care. You know, what I mentioned earlier in terms of customer centricity. So it really was around positioning the wallet to, to service the consumer's need as best as they can. Um, so, yeah, so those are the ones that I've identified. There's no real wallet that I would say has wowed me as far as the South African context is concerned. Okay. Well, you mentioned somewhere there about, you know, um, within Africa, the, that mobile wallets have been successful in certain areas because of economic exclusion. And it's been said that the growth of mobile applications and wallets positively contribute to economic inclusion. So putting this into a South African context, would you agree with this? Yeah, I would definitely agree with it. I think uh, the having wallets present and giving consumers options, you know, it does address um, in, uh, economic inclusion for the masses, specifically the low income band in this digital world. And what does that mean? You know, like what does the economic inclusion mean? By getting people online and buying and selling, it just increases their market, increases the amount of people that they can sell, you know, these SMEs and SMEs, increase their, their competitiveness in the open market and open up opportunities and growth prospects for them. So, but uh, like mobile applications and wallets generally go hand in hand. And then in case of Money for Jam, our wallet is our means of exchange with our jobs. Um, but, but through having access to the wallet, it can just provide our consumers that much more. Um, but we're still faced with the, the continuous challenges around connectivity, data yeah, is still exactly. expensive. Wi-Fi zones are becoming more prominent and accessible, which will which will help. But um, but yeah, I think um, many of the South Africans have a bank account, yet many consumers transact uh, transactions are still cash based. So so yeah. So with that, what what do you think is the future of, of e-wallet technologies or mobile wallet technologies and, and how should we go ahead preparing for it? I think uh, wallets, I think the more and more you see, you're seeing this, the disruption in banking is coming from consumer-centric banks. I think time has done really well, but in the more wallet space, it's around becoming simpler, more convenient for the user, you know, I can certainly leave my wallet at home, but I can't leave my phone at home. So, yeah. um, so we are seeing uh, the use of a lot more NFC and QR code technology. I think Bluetooth is also a prominent technology that we're seeing and being trialed and tested, I believe. But, uh, you know, COVID-19 is certainly uh, 
uh, exponentially um, driving a greater adoption of these type of wallets. Um, what you may see, I think, is a lot more personalization with wallets uh, as opposed to a very static one fits one uh, one model fits all. Um, and I think that's something in Money for Jam we try to pride ourselves on that you create personalized experiences within your wallets. Yeah. Um, and it's all about the customer. And I think uh, that's the future of wallets, I guess. It's uh, it's around creating convenience and putting the customer first. Fantastic. Well, Richard, thank you so much for your time. And um, we hope to chat to you very soon. Thanks, Angela, for having me. And it's been a pleasure. And that was Richard Dunn, Chief Implementation Officer for Money for Jam. And there really is no question around the benefits of mobile wallets, but in South Africa, the adoption rate has been slower than the rest of the world. And that's mainly due to the lack of trust, whether it's from a security aspect or in the actual institution itself. But based on this discussion, companies can take advantage of the emerging opportunities with mobile wallets by merging together coupons, loyalty programs, product discovery promotions, and gift cards in order to create a new and powerful payment solution. In a nutshell, the future of mobile wallets lies beyond just payments. I'm Angela McCann, and I hope you join us next week on the Jam Pod Gigsters, the home of everything gig.